Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Hello and welcome to a Celtic State of Mind on a Friday. My name's Laura Bradburn. I'm joined as always by Jim Orr and Tony Haggerty. Jim, how are you? Super Laura, how are you? Not too bad. It's uh, been a quiet week, Tony, hasn't it? Not much going on in the world of football. <laughs> uh, so yes, how are you? Yeah, we'll, we'll discuss what's not been going on in football. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know what's... I, I, the last couple of years have just blown my mind. I feel like the apocalypse is coming. But anyway, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, we were going to start with... Uh, you know, reviewing the Scottish Cup exit and what that means for the rest of our season and, and the result against Aberdeen. But obviously, circumstances and, and discussions have overtaken that. So, Jim, I'll come to you first. Um, obviously, what seems like a lifetime ago now, um, the European Super League was announced, 12 teams, uh, you know, announced their intention to uh, make this this exclusive uh, European league. There was a bit of discussion about whether it would be just midweek in, in place of like the Champions League or whether it would be something that they would permanently play in um, as opposed to their domestic leagues. Um, anyway, m- a week later and after much uh, debate and protest and everything, it kind of fell on its backside. So I'll come to you first. What are your um, thoughts, first of all, about the, the European Super League and, and about this new emergence of the British Super League that... that Celtic are being involved in? Well, speaking as a legacy fan, that's the new <laughs> title apparently, we are, legacy, we are all legacy fans. I think there was the banner, football was created by the poor, stolen by the rich. That was the banner yeah. that was up there. Uh, I've got a healthy disregard for anyone in power, be it football or, or government, and these guys are buffoons, total and yeah. utter buffoons. And, and UEFA have been quite soft. I mean, you should, UEFA should have banned them from next season's competitions. Yeah. Don't let people bully you. You can't let people do that. And for younger people maybe tuning in, I mean, if you go back to the 60s, the 70s and 80s, the European Cup was a cup for the champions of the league. It was a knockout tournament. It wasn't seeded. Uh, that's what happened in Lisbon. Uh, so the modern equivalent of that would be like Bayern Munich playing Real Madrid in the first round back in September. Mm-hmm two-legged and if Real Madrid get knocked out that same stuff for the season so you'd only get two games and that happened loads of times back in the day I remember and Tony remember this 1979 Notts Forest won the European Cup Liverpool won the league and they were drawn against each other in the first round of the 79-80 Cup and Forest knocked them out so that's that's what things were like back then and I think the Champions League came in early 90s 91-92 something like that uh, a league format instead of a cup format I don't think there was season. I can't remember that far back. Uh, so, so that was a bit better. I thought I gave more games. Uh, no, what I wanted. You go a few years forward, and the thing just loses the plot, and anyone can join the Champions League. Top four teams, top three teams, and it just becomes just completely stupid there. Uh, what I've always wanted for decades now, and because I'm so old, I can say decades. What I've wanted for decades now is an actual European midweek league that would run alongside the domestic leagues. So you'd have a kind of, so you'd rid of the Champions League, rid of the Europa League, you'd have a first division, second division, third division, all that kind of stuff. Ten teams in each league. Uh, put them in there by the coefficient. That's, that's a kind of fair way to do that. Have relegation as well. So have all the leagues. Uh, and actually, you would actually get the Super League by that because that first division mm-hmm. of 10 teams, they would mainly be your PSGs and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and all that kind of stuff. And I looked at the coefficient this morning 
and we are something like 46. So that would equate some way the fifth division if something like that happened. A guaranteed 18 games. And the teams who are in and around us are teams like uh, uh, Young Boys, Schalke, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And I would, I would love that. I'd love you know 18 games throughout the course of the season and that kind of competition, trying yeah. to get to the top places to get up to Division 4, etc. And the team across the city, they'd be in the league below that. They'd be maybe teams like uh, Leicester, AC Milan. They'd like that as well. If I go further down, Aberdeen would be in Division 16 with teams like Slovan Bratislava. So that's the way I'd like to go. And uh, mm-hmm. so that when you win the league or you win the cup, it's nothing to do with Europe. It's just the achievement. It's the glory of winning the league. Because what the winning the league now has become is a means to an end. You win yeah. the league and you could potentially get £30 million. And what I would like to see, I've always liked to see, is the Scottish team becoming better. And because there's two teams in the country that are so far ahead of them, if one or both of them qualifies for the Champions League and they pocket £30-40 million, that just pushes them further and further away. So I'd, I'd much rather a kind of genuine midweek European league. I don't fancy any kind of UK league, eh, but a European league like that based on merit, that's what I'd go for. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that, and I think what that brings to to mind is I think what got on my nerves about this Super League being announced was the idea of meritocracy being thrown out the window. The idea that even if there were four or five teams that could come in and out of it every season, that there would be certain teams, no matter how well or how poorly they played, they would be guaranteed a place, even if. In the case of Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester United, they've been far from the best teams in their leagues for a number of, a number of years now. Tony, um, what, what do you make of Jim's idea, and what are you what are your thoughts on on what's transpired over the last week? Love Jim's idea. I think it's brilliant. I really do. I, I, I wouldn't have any problem with that. I wrote two words down about this European Super League greed, grotesque, right. Right, Jim's old enough to remember this as well. See, from 1980 to 1982, Celtic played the best in Europe. With Real Madrid, with Juventus and Ajax on the spin. Right, brilliant. Great competition in the European Cup. Two-legged affair. You took the chance. Lost to Real Madrid, Juventus put out Ajax. Right, but Jim says, 92-93, sabotaged by greedy corporate Gordon Geckos. If you've seen the film Wall Street, greed is good. They latched onto that. And they sacrificed the greatest club competition on earth, because that's what it was, in the altar of cash. They couldn't bear to see the likes of Real Madrid, Bayern, Barcelona, Inter AC Milan, Liverpool, Man U going out in the first round. So they contrived this abomination, and that's what it is. It's an abomination. And it was totally removed from the original spirit of what the European competition was meant to be about. And the new rules just ensured, the new rules ensured, Celtic, Nottingham Forest, Neuer, Bucharest, Red Star, Aston Villa, Bayern or PSV, never win it again. Cinderella stories up the spout, they don't want you, they don't care for you. It was a death knell for European competition and a death knell for sporting integrity and that as we know it. And you know the irony of the, the dirty dozen, a, a third of them haven't even won a Champions League or a European Cup. Manchester, yeah. Arsenal, Tottenham. None of them have won it. Celtic have contributed more to the history of that competition than any of those guys. But yeah. 
filthy liquor and the emphasis on filthy, by the way. But you ever, what do you ever done? Jim said you've done nothing. You ever helped this? You ever helped these people steal the game? Stole the working class heart and soul out of football? And they've been aiding them and abetting them for 30 years? Don't tell me that, you know, the, the suits don't give a toss. Then I give a toss then, they, they, they don't give a toss now. They're flicking the metaphorical V sign at you by saying, we've got the door. What are you going to do about it? Never cared about football. They've done a Jim Melrose, if you will. Yes, a Jim Melrose, indeed. They have. They don't care about football. Never have, never will. That's why I get annoyed with Alexander Seraphine saying, oh, there's a place for Celtic, Rangers and Ajax. Let me care about any of these clubs. Yeah. So if Celtic were so important, why have they made them play four qualifiers? A past winner in which the history of your tournament make them play four qualifiers go to any kind of quagmire or swamp to, to try and qualify. You know, just that and yet for kidding themselves on that the other paragons of Hutsu now, the other yeah. saviors of European football, they're the one that helped rig it and bend it out of complete and utter shape and proportion. You know what I mean? Celtic supporters saying just can't get enough. The, Depeche, the other depressed Mode song that springs to mind is they grab in hands, grab all they can, because everything counts in large amounts. That's what they did. Stole yeah. their soul completely and utterly. And these 12, I would relegate them, by the way, the 12 clubs. I would relegate them to the division below just to say to them, you think you can do what you like? Have a bit of that. I really would, because as Jim said, see the, the four clubs from Germany, England, Spain and Italy getting into the Champions League. It's a total nonsense. Look at the carver. Look at the Champions League semi-final. Man City, PSG, Real Madrid, Chelsea. You may as well put uh, that as Cash Rich Club 1 versus Cash Rich Club 2, Cash Rich Club 3 versus Cash Rich Club 4. The winners of the Champions League are going to be Cash Rich Club X. Mm-hmm. Nonsense. And it makes you want to... It makes you sick. It makes me want to Wallace and Gromit. It really does. <laughs> I, I think I also, Laura. Sorry, I think also, Laura. You have to move with the times. So I don't actually mind a new type of tournament, but as long as it's yeah. based on meritocracy and yeah. it's not seeded in any way, shape, or form, and that's why I think a league that I described earlier is actually quite a fair way forward. And I think lots of teams will get lots out of that. I mean, it'd be good to see. I mean, teams like Hibs be involved in European competition, playing 18 games against Hibs, teams at Hibs level, Hearts, Motherwell, that'll make them stronger. You know, mm-hmm. it may not be as big a pot or a bigger pie to split up with people, but to me that's fairer. And I wouldn't have any issues with that, as I say, that first division being Barcelona, Real Madrid, etc. Because they are there in Merit, because they have been the best teams. But yeah. what might that happen then is that teams like Arsenal or Chelsea might get relegated. Yeah. You know, you could have the bottom two going down and the bottom three going down and you could have playoffs. You could do a whole lot of stuff, I think, with this. And I, I, think that was, I think that was another thing that kind of came to mind and picking up on what Tony said is, you know, UEFA and Sky Sports ironically placed themselves as kind of moral arbiters for football and the greater good this week when in actual fact... You know, their system is no no better. It made me think of a joke, uh, a line from one of my favourite movie characters, the Joker, um, Heath Ledger played. He says, "Nobody panics when things go according to the plan, even if the plan is horrifying." So basically, you know, UEFA were happy for everybody to stick with what they've got, even if it's not particularly better than than this new idea. 
just because everybody already knows it. It's, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't. But um, to, to take it a bit more towards Celtic, Jim, I'll come to you first. Obviously, off the back of all this European Super League stuff, there's been this suggestion that um, we might go into a, a UK or British kind of Super League, if you want to put it that way. Um, I have my own thoughts on it, but I, I noted that you said that you weren't really up for it when you were summarising your first answer. Why is that, that you wouldn't really be up for Celtic going into a UK league like that? I don't think we should jump into anywhere. I think that's unfair. I think it's unfair to teams like Notts Forest, Preston North End, Bristol City, blah, 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 blah. You name it, it's unfair to jump into something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't want, I wonder if we're going to go into something that, we, that we'd have to go at the bottom and work our way up. Uh, mm-hmm. If that happened to us, we would go mad. You know, yeah. if somebody came to early, you shouldn't be there. So I don't think we jump into anywhere. And that's why what I described earlier, I think that's a fair way forward. And eventually you will be in a league with another nine teams and two or three of them might be teams from England. I mean, it means, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not interested in it at all. Yeah. Not for me. I, I think, um, Tony, just to. Um, Paul was on just before we came on air with David Lowe um, talking about it and, and, and as much as I get Jim's point about it not being fair jumping in my more um, issue with it was uh, while I, I really appreciate listening to what David says and he's a, he's a great guest to have on he's been so uh, influential and, and, and at the centre of a lot of Celtic's biggest sort of moments off the pitch in the last 30 years he said he mentioned about, Cel- uh, about Scotland being a backwater and, and, and being you know uh, small time and, and that we would want to try our hand and, and progress uh, in, in another league I'm personally not for that not because I don't think it would benefit us financially not because I don't think that we could push forward in Europe but just to me that isn't Celtic no. Celtic Celtic is going to Wraith Rovers and potentially losing a cup tie that you thought you were going to win. Celtic is going to Aberdeen and remembering the times when we were both bigger on the European stage than we are now and reveling in that and still having a rivalry there that we can that we can, you know, put at the front of our minds when we when we go and play each other. Um what are your thoughts on the British League? I, I don't personally have any interest in playing a, a Brighton or a, a Hull or whatever. It means nothing to me. You can't shout the odds about this European Super League and then quit Scottish football or, or aim to quit Scottish football, turning your back on it for the same kind of thing, cash. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get in your high horse about the ESL and then go and join a close shop yourself, right? Yeah. Hopefully, right? Scottish football is many things, Laura, but I'll tell you what it is. It's competitive, and it's yep. honest, and it's pure, and it's raw, and it's not—it's not really been tainted by massive investment, which is why it's still quite healthy, and we all enjoy it. And for all the reasons that you've just outlined, I also think that Celtic Rangers have got an obligation to the game in this country. You know, they're, yeah. Scot- they're Scottish football teams, and if they were to leave, then it, it would only be—and I'm not saying this one, but I would have to say that the, the, the caveat would be that. Celtic Rangers would still have to have a presence in the Scottish League. I'd say with an, un, an under-23 team. You know, because Celtic Rangers are the ones that can afford an under-23 yeah. team. And that way you would keep that presence. You know, but I think Scottish football could reinvent itself then as well, because Motherwell fans, Aberdeen, Hearts, Hibs fans, they would like a crack at winning the title. Yeah. They're all going for third place every year. You know, that's the, I'm not saying this will happen, but I'm just it's just an idea, you know. 
that if that's going, if Celtic Rangers see this future down south, but like Jim says, why would teams like Sunderland and Hull and all that roll over? Yeah. You know, I don't. I just don't see them not pursuing some legal avenue if Celtic Rangers were just allowed in. Yeah. If they did and they left, then I would. A Celtic Rangers would still have to have a presence in Scotland, and I would make sure that they had uh, an under twenty three team in in the league, so we'd still because people would still want to go and watch a Celtic Rangers under twenty three team. So could they go to London, Liverpool, Manchester, whatever every other week? You know, yeah. so we still get a crowd of such. And if Sky or whoever pulled the money out, then I would say to BBC Scotland and STV, why don't you invest in it? This is your national game. Yeah, you know? I think as I think as well, like um, Jim, I'll, I'll come to you on this one um, <laughs> potentially to shield me from some of what's about to come my way when I say this. But we've sat and watched our club say hashtag one club since 80, 1888, We aren't half of anything. Blah blah blah. Surely it would be the height of hypocrisy for the club to then pair up with Rangers in some form and go and try our hand at another league as part of what undoubtedly would be a pair going down there because I don't think you would get one without the other. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, 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 uh, they can't go there. They've made their beds now. One club since 1888. That's it. Right. Stick to that then. Stick, mm-hmm. don't twist. Right. Don't do that. Uh, as I said, I've got no interest in going down south at all. Also, there's there's, there's a wee bit of me that's kind of a, be careful what you wish for with some of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, what's then going to happen? If if we do go bigger and we become this huge club, then we're going to have to pay transfer fees that are ridiculous. We're going to have to pay players' wages that are ridiculous. And I think a lot of fans are completely disconnected with the club. Mm-hmm. And I think football has went mad over the past maybe two, three decades. And uh, I was on the podcast a few months ago when we were talking about the goalkeeping situation. And at the time, we were linked with a Manchester United second uh, second choice goalkeeper. I can't remember the guy's name, possibly Tony can remember the guy's name. And he was on 120 grand a week, the second class, second choice goalkeeper, because De Gea was on nearly £400,000 a week. Yeah. I couldn't go and watch. My football team, if they played one of my players, 400 grand a week, nor 300 grand a week, nor 200 grand a week. And I've said in the past how much I would be willing to pay a player per week. Maybe that's a, a question for the chat room. How much would you feel comfortable paying a player? And I know all of it's supply and demand and there's loads of money sloshing about football. But I couldn't go and watch a football team, my team, if we're paying somebody 400 grand a week. Couldn't I do yeah. it. Tony, I think Jim raises a good point there. You know, I've had this conversation with my mum, who, as I've said many times on this podcast, is is one of, if not the main reason that I'm a Celtic supporter today. She talks about, you know, back when she was watching the the Quality Street Gang was her team growing up. That was her era, and and that you know you would see the players at the training ground, you would see them out in the town when you were out at the weekend, you would you would bump into them and almost be able to talk to them on a, on a normal human level. We're already so disconnected from the players as they are right now. Albin Ayeti, who's done next to nothing for us this season, is posting pictures of his Mercedes on Instagram. Wouldn't wouldn't this move, as Jim says, just distances from from them even more if we aren't already? I got, I, I'm dead set against it for the same reason that Jim, like f- football is killed. Uh, sorry, money is killed. 
football the way you and I know it. You know, these guys at UEFA and the suits and all the big clubs, they've stolen their game. And it will one day crash in on them. Because it, it has to. You know, they've committed a, an act of grand last night. It's going to come back and bite them someday. You know, and the, the other ones that have driven football to the edge of the financial abyss, right, with these, t- these TV deals and, and money that you and I just makes the mind boggle, you know? Well, so I can't wait for the fallout from the fall into the abyss because it'll be watering <clears throat> on everyone, honestly. And they deserve everything that's coming to them. That's why I don't want Celtic to be a part of it. We are, we are who we are. We are what we are. And I, I like you. I, I'm, I'm to this. I like being in the Scottish League. I like yeah. to get to the Champions League every year. I like trying to see my team qualify for the group stages and get access to cash. But I don't like the fact that we'll never ever win the Champions League again because they've slanted it so much that you know, 1967 will never be repeated. No, Plus, I, I think I think this is Laura, the very se- Laura, just following. No, I was just going to say uh, this is the very season we could label ourselves hypocrites that we can't even win the league that we're winning. Never mind trying find another league that will take us. Sorry, Jim, I'll, I'll, I'll pass back to you. Sorry to butt in. No, I was just going to say that another thing is to follow on from the point I just made there. How much does it cost to go and watch football down south? How much is your season tickets just now? Thousand pound, two thousand pound. Yeah. How much yeah. for a match ticket? £60, £70, £80. You know, that's just... You're just going to you know, try and cater for a different type of fan. And us legacy fans will be left behind. So I think you have to be careful what you wish for. And that's my point, that rather than lots of money going into players' pockets, I think we should be looking to cut the price of season tickets. Yeah. Match well, that, tickets, that, 20s plenty and all that stuff. This was another point that I wanted to raise, just to, you know... People know my thoughts on season tickets already and, and what makes a Celtic fan and what doesn't make a Celtic fan. I don't think you need a season ticket to be one. We're already in a situation where it's, what, £600 for a season ticket? There's plenty of people already can't afford yeah. that. And like Jim says, it's just going to go through the roof if we end up in a league that's, that's you know, more watched or whatever. And you're just going to create a bigger divide there. You know, I think... I think we need to remember that the support of a club is about more than just the 50 or 60,000 people that buy a season ticket every season. They are, without doubt, part of the major backbone of the club, but they are no more or less important than those of us who watch every week and, and, and carry on the legacy of the club through our families, through our friends, through going to the pub to watch it. You know, I, 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 I'm on the waiting list for a season ticket and I'm seriously considering whether I want to do it because I really enjoy going to the pub with my uncle to watch the games. We, we had some of the best memories that we've had in the last couple of seasons uh, going to the Europa League matches on a, a Thursday night to sit, sit with, a, in my case, a can of iron brew, in his case, a, a pint of tenants and watch that. And, and I enjoy that as much as sometimes being at the games as well. So um, my, my basic point is, you know, you're a fan if if you say you're a fan. What do you make of that, Tony? I still spoke about there. What do we want? Do we want legacy fans, as Jim calls them, die-hard fans, or do we want as what Roy Keane once referred to as the prawn sandwich brigade? You know? Yeah. You, you be careful what you wish for. You know, you, you want to pray. I mean, you're pricing ordinary hard-working fans out of football anyway. So if you attach yourself to the British Super League wagon, then who's going to be able to afford that? 
you know, only a small percentage of Celtic fans will be able to afford that. And again, we go back to it, surely that was against the very ethos and foundation of why the club was started. You know, you cannot have a club, you know, catering for the likes of your high-end supporters solely. I mean, it would just be, you would drag the heart and soul out of Celtic if you did that. And, I, and I, I'm, I am totally and utterly against joining any kind of British league. Totally and utterly against it. Well, I think we've I think we've made our points clear as uh, as a lot of people are on the chat. Um, obviously, a lot of you joining us from Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Thanks very much for getting involved today. Um, lots of streams on a state of mind, not just football, but we've got a Celtic state of mind where we are now branching out to cover the women's game as we've done this week and are doing this weekend. Um, we are. Um, putting loads of new content out there even more stuff to come that you haven't seen yet so so please get subscribed and, and turn your notifications on so that you know when we go live or when a new show goes up um want to move on to a slightly different topic talking about social media and talking about the engagement that we get from people and Jim we're very fortunate in a lot of ways that we have this platform to come on and, and air our views and say what we believe to be true about Celtic and what our opinions are uh, Tony and I were involved in a little bit of um, I, I believe the person now was perhaps winding people up by what they did because I saw them do it to a few people after me but we were involved in a situation where somebody tried to attribute something that was said on, on one of the podcasts first to me and then to Tony before it eventually found its true source uh, not something I would ever have said I have to say <laughs> Greg Taylor is captain um, I would never say that but you know it, it got me thinking about um you know how much we appreciate the, the the views of the viewers and getting engaged with us, but how I think it's a difficult line to balance when when you know you're trying to um, sort of establish what somebody's opinions are um, and getting them mixed up with other people's. Have you experienced a bit of that? People maybe attributing things to you that weren't said by you. <laughs> I think this is an interesting question. I mean, uh, up until podcast time, uh, you maybe four or five of your mates get to hear what your views of life are. Now there's, you know, there's some Fridays there's maybe 10, 20, 30,000 people listening to me talking rubbish, you know, so <laughs> that's a bit different. Yeah. Uh, what I found in the early days, what I found in the early days of the podcast, what was quite annoying, I suppose, is that at the end of the day, it's just opinions. You know, and you yeah. don't expect everyone to agree with your opinion, and that's fine. But when people come in the chat room and start saying things like, this guy's a clown, doesn't know what he's talking about, that's rubbish, you know, that annoys me because I don't mind people having different opinions to yourself. But if they come in and say, I disagree with this guy because X, Y, and Z, I don't have an issue with that because I don't expect people to agree with me. And I usually maybe look at the YouTube comments maybe later on in the afternoon, and if people say something that that I think I didn't say that, then I'll, I will take the time mm -hmm. to answer them back. If somebody says something nice about us, I'll, I'll, I'll say thanks for that. So uh, social media is a fantastic thing and it's also a terrible thing. Uh, and I tend not to get too wound up about it. Uh, it's a bit of fun at the end of the yeah. day, expressing an opinion on a few things. There's obviously a few lunatics that are on social media, so... You don't want to engage with them anyway. You would tend to just ignore them because if you engage with idiots, then you end up bringing yourself down to their level. So, that's as a I have done many a time, yeah. 
Well, David David Kelly's just saying there, any of the panel that put their head above the chopping block every time they open their mouth, some talk absolute conspiracy nonsense, but it's still a good show. I don't know who you could possibly mean, David. I don't know who you could possibly mean. But no, the, the reason that I wanted to talk about it was because, as we all know, I made the mistake having watched... <laughs> Uh, Moya Lenusi score two goals against uh, Livingston and everybody lose their minds and suggest that we should buy him straight away sort of said I didn't particularly agree with that if you were going to ask me which loan player I would have out of the ones that we have if I had to pick one I would say lax out he then did me an absolute dirty by putting in one of the worst performances I've ever seen by a player in a Celtic shirt and people with the with the you know, benefit of hindsight came after me suggesting that I'm just a terrible judge of a football player. And I think that's what the problem is, Tony. You, you, The problem is we say these things and then most of the time never look back at them again. Yeah. A lot of these people watching are, are, are maybe watching after the fact and then picking me up for something that I've since changed my mind on and you're in a situation where these things come back to bite you. I'd also say to you as well, Pangelo, is what I mean? It's not that serious, right? I mean, it isn't. You just gotta, you just gotta breathe on it a bit more, you know? It's, and I know it may be an addictive thing in your personality, that's fine, and, you know, you just kinda, that's it. I mean, it's, what you're doing just now, it's a form of entertainment. I well. love it, I love you know, it. So, you're entertaining people, some people. What do you go that far, Tony? <laughs> I did say a form of I think also I think also you know just I think also by its very nature an opinion is subjective 
You know? yeah. So there's no right or wrong answer, true or false, black or white. It's subjective. Yeah. If you're talking about objective things, yeah, there's a, there's a right and wrong. If I say today's Thursday, you can say that's wrong. I admit, oh, yeah, right. I can't argue with that. But if you think Lax is a good player, that's your opinion. You're wrong, obviously. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I couldn't continue to argue after that Rangers game, I have to say. Well, if you stay, if you hang your hat on an opinion, no commentator's curse, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I think so. You, you just, it's, you know, I, I do think that social media is, it can be a cesspit, but it can also be a great place for witticisms and comedy and fun. You know, if you treat it all like that, you know that I don't think anybody goes out deliberately to hurt somebody or intentionally wound, but there are people that just can't help themselves. You know, and it becomes abusive and you steer clear of that. As Jim said, it's it's like the pub bore. You want to go near them in the pub, so don't go near them online or in chat rooms or social media. It's it's that it's that simple, you know. And you use your judgment on that. You know, but well, Kevin, Kevin Byrne coming in in the comments saying Laxalt is good on Pro Evolution Soccer 21 and that is the most important thing, obviously. So um, if, if he's good on that, he must be good in real life. <laughs> no, yeah, but thank, thanks everybody for your Laxalt, comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, thanks everybody for your comments. We, 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 just, we have these interactions on Twitter and we do enjoy them. Sometimes... Um, Sometimes they uh, take a bit of a, a different slant and things like that, but we love getting involved with your comments and seeing everybody watching. And and and, and I, I even see people, you know, saying hello to each other that you know have, appear to have got to know each other through these comments and through these live chats, and it's great to see. So um, we'll we'll move on anyway. As as King Jim often says, we move on. Um, and what we will do is move on Jim, uh, Tony and I were in the match coverage of the Celtic Rangers game, part of what was dubbed the Magnificent Seven, which I quite enjoyed I have to say, I don't know how magnificent some of the seven were but we'll, we'll leave it there um, it, it, What were your thoughts looking at the way we went out of the Scottish Cup? How, how did you think we performed and, and was it was it much of a surprise to you? <laughs> This is actually quite a seamless link into people think other people are talking rubbish. Because uh, I think you were all really harsh. I thought, I thought at full time you were all pretty... I mean, there were thousands of you as well. And I thought you were harsh because... Uh, understandable, that's why I don't go on the podcast on a match day. It's too much emotion, it's too raw. <clears throat> totally understandable, lost the game... We're out of the cup. Another death by a thousand cuts. What's that? Yes. 30, 35 <laughs> yeah. minutes for the death by a thousand cuts, bingo. 35 I'll minutes. I'll get a, a, a bell or something. <laughs> get a bell. I said, I said last week that uh, given the season that we've had, we'll probably end up losing one nothing to a daft goal. But I thought if we turned up and we, and we put a performance in and we got the breaks, if we get the breaks, with a, with a, I, I thought we could win the game last week. Did we get the breaks? I don't think we did. <clears throat> I'm not disputing the best team won the league, by the way. Not disputing that at all. But yeah. a one-off cup tie, you need some breaks. And the two goals we lost, the first goal, the guy shoots, it hits off higher, and it spins into the air. It could have went anywhere. Where did yeah. it go? Straight to their player, eight yards out. Who was he? They're holding midfield player. What does he do? Scores with an overhead kick. 
What are the chances of that happening? <laughs> Unbelievable. The second goal, another own goal that we like to do at Ibrox this year. So we gave them two goals. So, and what did we do? I mean, their goalkeeper was the man of the match. <clears throat> was the man of the match. Mm-hmm. With five or six attempts to go, really, really good attempts to go, not just, you know, half chances. We miss a penalty. We've got more possession. We've got more shots and shots and goal. We've got more corner kicks. So you analyse all that stuff and you say, you know what? I know goals change games and you make your own luck and all that. And even the manager said that, that they rode the luck at times. You mm-hmm. need a wee bit of luck. And I thought we were unlucky. And that's with virtually half of the outfield players not turning up. Kenny was awful. Laxart was awful. Christy mm-hmm. never turned up. Elliot Nussie and Edward was a total disgrace. So half the team didn't turn up. And we should have won the game, but for a wee bit of luck. And as I said, I'm, I'm not disputing that, that they've, been, they've been the best team in the league by a mile this year. But in a one-off game, a wee bit of luck. And that's what was mm-hmm. missing last week. Or we'd have been through. And then we'd have been looking at the season a wee bit differently. But I just thought, we didn't get the breaks last week. Just, you guys just before I come... <laughs> Just before I come to Tony on his thoughts, now that he's had a, a chance to reflect for, for a wee bit of time, um, Jim, what did you think, talking about Edward there and his attitude and things like that, we we, we picked apart that, that point where we were 2-0 down and he, he should have you know buried the ball uh, when it broke to him and he decided to try and flick it in with the side of his foot. What, what did you make of that whole scenario? Did it did it register with you as anything, you know, particularly negative, or were, or were we kind of blowing that out of proportion? Do you think? Well, I think I was having to think about this this week with somebody. I was chatting to somebody about this, and I think Eddie checked out Tannadice back at the start of the season. Uh, he was obviously one of the ones who wanted to go, and again, I think his fans we, we tend to be quite simplistic about things. But if you're Edward and you're on. Say he's on 20 grand a week or something like that. He could have moved to another club and earned, what, 40, 50, 60 grand a week easily. Mm-hmm. So every week you're losing 40 grand. Every week you're losing 40 grand. Mentally, where are you if you're losing 40 grand a week? Right. We go to yeah. Tannadice and he gets kicked up and down the park and Dallas turned a blind eye for the whole game. And if I'm Edward and I'm thinking, I'm in this league, I'm getting kicked up and down the park, players aren't getting booked, I'm losing 40 grand a week. I think his main objective this season was not to get injured. And he turns up in some of the big games. AC Milan, away when they scored, they go to the cup final, Penenka. But I don't think he's been interested at all. And I think that was easily the worst performance he's ever had. And I think it's a shame that he's going to leave, not the kind of, with the, with the bet. I mean, obviously, you, you acknowledge what he's done for his, particularly the treble, treble game against, against Hearts. And he scored a lot of goals. But for mm-hmm. me, he's leaving with a sour taste. I understand his his. You know, from, from from a fan's point of view, it's dead frustrating. But if I was him, I'd possibly think I would I would do the same thing. And obviously, he's 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 he's, he's the all time highest scorer for the world champions under twenty ones. So his next move is going to be big. He's going to hopefully play for the world champions at some point in time. He's getting kicked up and down Tannadice. And also, what happened from that game? He was injured for the Ferenc Varas game, and that was significant because yeah. we've lost for talisman. And there was so much fallout from the Ferenc Varas game. And you can trace that back to the Tannadice and Dallas not doing his job. And Eddie getting thinking, well, you know what? I've had enough of this. We've got a whole season to go. I'll turn up in certain games. But you can see last week, not 50 tackles. There was tackles that were 60-40, 70-30 in his favour. Mm-hmm. Didn't even hear it. Wasn't interested. 
Uh, and then he's played the other night, bizarrely again, but that's for maybe that's for speaking about later on. But uh, I hope we move on. Yeah, um, Tony, I think probably my takeaway from, from the game uh, as I reflect on it a bit more as the week's gone on is that Eduard was one of the biggest examples of it but there's a lot of those players just looked as if they'd down tools and that was the major thing that, that I took away from it. If they ha- if you haven't already registered that they've down tools before now but but that game in particular there just looked like there was no fight left whatsoever. Well, I'm not saying Jim's wrong in his opinion but I've probably in Alice Hearts I called it gutless and spineless and I still stand by it how they could not score against Rangers when Rangers gave them the ball the whole second half is beyond me even at 1-0 when it went to 1-0 I knew Celtic wasn't coming back into it the game was finished for me after that it just didn't look at any time as if they could reach the Rangers defence and well certainly believed that they could do it and go and win that game yet they mm-hmm. created a lot of chances for it I thought a lot of players I've been to Edward being the classic example you know and I've seen things all week saying Edward leaving the summer what's your thoughts people saying a waster this or that this week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know, I, I mean, I, I can't agree with that, but I think he's, he's had this season, or he's spat the dummy for whatever reason, because he maybe promised a move which didn't materialise. He's got to play to earn the big move, but he is a talented, talented player. You know, the world, or world record holder for under-21s, in terms of goals, you know, so we wanted him to put in a shift this season, you know, and he hasn't, and you feel so let down by Eddie for that, but he's not alone. Mm-hmm. He's not alone on that. That was a team of guys who just, you know, I don't know, they went out there, and I don't think they had any real, genuine belief that they could win at Ibrooks, and it came to pass, and they passed up the chances to score a penalty as well. With a lack of why, why, why did Lee Griffiths know over real Eddie on it? Has Eddie's attitude been kind of like that for a long 
for a long part of this season. Eagerness yeah. is a striker of a football at the club. He could have rattled that into the net and given you something. And I would put my house on Lee Griffiths scoring for 12 yards against Alan McGregor. You know, so why did he not just go rank and say, no, I'm hitting it because your head's no in it, you know? And all he wants to do is put his laces through the ball and score goals. Did it mm-hmm. Audrey when he came on, scored an equaliser, which is the very reason why you would keep him for that alone. But, you know, there's a lot of players there. It's just been a, a general malaise this season in players that has affected the team in the way they've performed. And, and if their head's out the door, then they should go out the door. Eddie being the biggest culprit. Jim, I, I am a, have a bit more of an... Ex- it's along the lines of what Tony's reaction is there, but perhaps a bit more extreme in that once a player does down tools and once they look as if they, they don't want to try anymore, I find it very difficult to justify keeping a hold of them um, and 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 wanting them to stay at the club. Jim Hannaway in the comments on YouTube has said, I would like Eduard to stay to be managed under a greater manager, but he's leaving on a low. I think Eddie's a case apart because I think he's going no matter what. But we were having a discussion before we came on air and you were saying about, you know, Lee Griffiths staying. We saw how he came on and, and scored that goal against Aberdeen during the week and, and that... The, some people still feel there's something to offer for him. I personally think his time's done, but you said that, you know, you don't agree with that. There's there's still something you think he can offer for us. That's because you're wrong, Laura. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. just, to, just, to, just, to, just to take up the comment about, about Eddie, if Eddie's on 20 grand a week, and if Eddie can move and be on 60 grand a week, does it matter who the coach is? Yeah. What's he do with it? Right. So as far as Lee's concerned... I'm a Super Lee fan. I'm on the Lee Griffiths fan club, right? <laughs> I don't buy into all this kind of stuff about he's let the club down and all this kind of stuff because we don't know the whole story behind that. But I look at Lee, Lee Griffiths before the previous manager came under Ronnie Dyer, he scored goals for fun. Rogers comes along uh, in another major game. It was going to be the first Glasgow derby uh, since they came back up the league and Joey Barton was going to rule the roost and all this kind of stuff yeah. and Lee Griffiths filled a fitness test that day and we were all thinking well that's no so good we're missing Lee and what mm-hmm. happens Moussa Dembele comes in scores a hat-trick and the rest is history so Lee had to play second fiddle to Moussa for two years because Rogers only played one up front he didn't spit the dummy out if he was called upon he came and did a job and then when Moussa then goes oh it's Edwards, the new kid in the block and he's playing second fiddle to him never spat, his, never spat the dummy out did his best. And obviously, he's got some issues off the park. But anytime he's on the park, for me, he's the best goal scorer in Scotland. Bar none. So I'd always have him in the team. I think we won the league last year because Lee Griffiths came into the team at the new year because we were starting to falter, starting to stutter. He comes in the scheme, ups Eddie's game, playing alongside him, scores goals for fun. And that's why we won the league last year. And also this year, the only highlight we've had this year is winning the Scottish Cup, although it was last year's Scottish Cup. Who do we call? Mm-hmm. Who do we call? Who do we need? Lee Griffiths comes on the cup final, scores the goal. He's the guy who takes the first penalty. For Scotland, they brought him on with five minutes to go of extra time, trying to qualify for the Euros, and he's the first guy to take a penalty. If we lose Lee Griffiths, that's another cut for me. He's the most natural finisher in Scotland. You Correct. know that? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, right. someone, tell me, someone tell me I'm wrong. Ben, you know, so. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> you're, you're wrong. <laughs> 
Yeah, what, we won. What do, what do I know? I think Laxalt's a good defender. <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally agree with Jim's point of view of, like, I, I think there's far too much comment gets made about his state of mind and uh, his attitude and all that kind of thing. None of us really know about that. Really, that's all guesswork. It's all things we've read and things that have been said, you know, hearsay and all that kind of thing. I yeah. do personally think that uh, he's not as effective a goal scorer as he once was. And I, I, I do think we can do better than him. We've obviously struggled trying trying to replace him with people like Kajetti and Klamala and, and that kind of thing. But Tony, surely, surely there must be somebody out there who's as good or or the potential to be better in the coming years that the Lee Griffiths has to be on the decline now, does he not? I don't know. I, I'm the one thing that Lee Griffiths would love his goals. You know, and we've talked all season about goals changing games and we've not scored enough of them. You know, we've tried Ajeti, we've tried Klamala and Eddie's just well, down tools from very early on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and as you see, you can question his attitude, you can question whatever, but, you know, if you play Lee Griffiths, he'll score your goals. So, because uh, it's all he wants to do, it's all that's in his head. He doesn't have to do much other than score, and he's very good at that. So, again, going back to what Jim said, yep, yeah, and yourself, we, we don't know the story there, and he has possibly let his teammates down at times with his attitude or, or whatever, but that's hearsay and speculation, but you put Lee Griffiths up front for Celtic, he'll score goals. Mm-hmm. Any, also, Tony, uh, any game. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say that this season, he uses a sub, he's came on, and people say that he's not fit. He's not match fit. He's not getting yeah. matches. And I think, as, as they say, you maybe need five or six games on the yeah. trot to get match fit. He's never had that. But he still comes on and he still scores goals. And as I said, we can't afford to lose Lee Griffiths because even oh. if you're going to buy somebody else, there's no guarantee. If you bring in another a Yeti or Klamala or Bayou, right? I've got Griffiths. He knows, as, as, as Tony says, he knows where the net is. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that he comes back and plays every game, but the last three games anyway, and gives him himself a fighting chance to get into the Euros because Scotland need him as well. And hopefully he, he can then start to kick on from there. But yeah, definitely keep him. Since Celtic are going to play a 4 4 2, I'd always have Griffiths as one of those strikers. Mm-hmm. I'd pair Griffiths with A and other. Honestly, all day long. Well, somebody somebody did mention that, that he's certainly more effective as, as one of two up front. And I do agree with that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and and Paul is in the background putting up a lot of comments there. It's definitely a divisive topic. I think I'm probably in the minority. I think more people agree with you guys that, that they would rather keep him than not. But, um, but you know, we'll see. Well, can I just finish with one last comment? Yeah, well, on you go, on you go, One Jim. last comment. You put up a comment there that, that, that Lee has let us down this year. Has he? Has he let us down this year? How do we know that? I I, I don't personally believe... I mean, I, I, I think he's done, but I don't think he's let us down any more than any other player this season. I think when Lee Griffiths has been called upon, he's scored goals. If you look at his minutes to goals, I think it's pretty impressive. And he's mm-hmm. not had a run in the team, so he's not match fit. And he played against Falkirk the other week and he snatched at a few chances. And people say, nah, he's not fit, he's let us down. He's not match mm-hmm. fit. You get Lee Griffiths match fit, he'll score you 20, 30 goals a season. And as I just explained, I just saw that comment about doing nothing for the past three or four years. He was playing second fiddle 
to two potentially world-class players. Didn't spit the dummy out, you know? Didn't throw the toys mm-hmm. at the pram or any other daft metaphor I can think of. Right, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, as, as, I, as, I, as I said at the start, I'm, I'm on the league Griffiths fan club. Yeah, when he played in a two with both of those world-class players, they were very effective and Celtic scored a lot of goals. Correct. Right. Correct. So, but, I mean, the stats don't back that up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I do, you know, if there's one thing you can say about him, regardless of any reservations that anybody might have about him, his scoring record does speak for itself. Um, what what I think it does speak to in a wider sense is, and an attitude that I see a lot, uh, is, you know, a desire to keep a hold players perhaps past the point of them being effective. Like, you're, you know, I... I, I, I wouldn't celebrate losing a player in any situation but you know I was pleased to see Scott Brown get his move on not because I don't think he's been a good player for us not because I don't think he has done as a service but because I think the time has come and I think that's the case for a lot of other players Tony I'll come to you first are there any players that if if you think Griffiths has, has got something still to offer are there any players that you would absolutely move on I think we can take the loan players out of it is there any players that we have currently on contract that you would say their time's up? Well, you know my thoughts on Ayer. I'd move him on, and it's yep. highly unpopular, but I've rationalised that and I've told you why. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to keep Ayer, he is nowhere near your defence. Mm-hmm. He has to go and try his luck in the midfield and be a commanding kind of midfielder because he's big enough and he should be a dominating person in your team he doesn't dominate in defence for me probably too many mistakes his positional sense is wider than that and when he runs forward with a ball for 70 yards he ends up running out of ideas and he's hopelessly out of position explained all that so Ayer mm-hmm. can go or if he stays he doesn't play in the defence right yep. Welsh you keep right Sorrow everybody's asking to see more of Sorrow because he's got something about his game fumbles a certainty to stay, you agree that he's probably the future of the club. Mm-hmm. Building teams around guys like Turnbull. Taylor should stay. We'll not go into the. But there's a player there in Taylor, and maybe a new manager can get the best out of Taylor the way Steve Clark get a tune out of Taylor, which he earned him his move to Celtic. Yeah. So, right. Welsh got potential, but I said, let's just let the boy breathe and let him play and chalk up a number of games for Celtic and see where he goes. Uh, Labelling him this and that and putting too much pressure on him. He's young, he's raw, but there's something there. So, yeah, he can stay. Uh, Edward's out the door, isn't he? Christie probably out the door. Cal Mack's the one that people are saying, you know, I just don't see leadership qualities in Callum McGregor, so I wouldn't make him the captain. And I still think that maybe... Cal Mack is just jaded, you know, he's, he's burnt out a wee bit. I yeah, uh, Paul, just but just before I go on to Jim, Paul, can you pull that comment back up from Taxi D-Mac before we, before we move on? Don't know if we've still got it there. Um, he said something along the lines of that we're deluded because we cover the women's game and don't go to games. Uh, not as deluded as sitting watching a Rangers podcast and commenting on it, but we'll, we'll leave it there. Um Jim, I'll come to you. 
what are your thoughts? Are there any of the players that are currently contracted to us uh, on a permanent basis that you think their time's up if, if Griffiths is one that you would like to hold on to? Defined, deluded. That's your first question. Uh, <laughs> no, I would, uh, I, would, I would keep everyone because uh, we're going to lose all the lone players and Eddie's going to go and Ayer might go and McGregor might go and Christy might go. That doesn't leave too many that are left. And I think any new manager coming in, then it's a complete clean slate. And who's to know somebody like Cham might turn out to be a better player under a new manager. So I think we have to just... We don't have enough players. It's, 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 it's incredible we're in the situation that we're in just now. So I don't think many people will actually go. And I think everyone will get a new start under the new manager, who hopefully will be in sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Who's that going to be, Jim? <laughs> hey. I actually mentioned Josie last week and uh, I don't think there's any chance of that happening. Eddie Howe, we're on Eddie Howe bus, yeah. I was about to say if 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 there is a bus for uh, for Mourinho then ding 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 driver, I, I want off. <laughs> Just drop me here. I'm I'm no for that at all. Uh, we, we we got into de- depth about that last week, but what is we 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 heard David Lowe talking about it before we came on, Tony. Just went while that topic comes up, I'm starting to get uneasy about the fact there is no announcement. I was quite I was quite all right about it before. I thought we were just biding our time and getting things sorted. But as we've talked about earlier in the week, the managerial merry go round is starting to kick into gear, and and you you risk losing out on your desired candidate. Do you not if you don't act fast? That depends, doesn't it, on what you believe and what you're reading. I mean, I think it's no secret that Celtic have approached Eddie Howe. Now, is that what number one, number two, number three target? Mm-hmm. You know, so if Celtic have gone in all in and Eddie Howe <laughs> and he doesn't come, uh, then, yeah, he's not allowed to bring his whole bus for the staff. Then Celtic have seen Because it's a plethora. Yeah, a plethora of staff, yes. Usually three amigos uh, <laughs> analogy. Yeah, but you know, so if they have gone all I mean, I just think Celtic wouldn't take this long if Eddie Howe hadn't guaranteed that he was coming. I just I, I you know, yeah, it needs you uneasy, but I still think that Eddie Howe will be the new manager of Celtic. I have to be honest. Yeah. Just things have been ironed out, but again, the how long it's taken to actually inform the fans of that news is a bit worrying makes you uneasy but I still think I think it's came too far for it not to happen now mm-hmm. um, Jim I, I heard uh, I can't remember if it was in the David Lowe interview or, or catching up on one of the other podcasts but um, there was talk of there having been you know non-disclosure agreements and things like that and that's the reason we're not hearing very much from any of the candidates that have been approached Um you would like to think that even if there's no announcement having been made that the person is in place, would you not? You'd like to hope so. I mean, I said back in January they were in limbo and we mm-hmm. were scunnered back then and nothing has changed. And th- actually things have got worse because what you've now got is you've got a interim manager on John Kennedy who's trying to win games because that's important for him. He's not giving other players a chance to play. I mean, why was playing Edward the other night? most of the fans would say, well, let's see some of the guys who are going to be here next year. But that's not mm-hmm. John Kennedy's main objective. His main objective is win games of football that will make him look good. Mm-hmm. So it's doing even more damage. The longer we wait, the more damage it causes. 
But yeah, I'd like to think we've already got the guy. But also the fact it is a hugely complex thing. And if you, and if, if you are aiming high, and the area is pretty high, it becomes even more complex. I mean, mm-hmm. we could have went and get somebody like Jack Ross five months ago if we wanted to do that. I'm sure that would please mm-hmm. Kevin. Uh, <laughs> only kidding. Uh, but if you're going after a top, top manager... Jack Ross is manager and, and Greg Taylor is captain. <laughs> the dream team. Uh, but if you're going after one of the top managers, then it's going to be complex and there's going to be competition from other teams for his signature as well. So everything has to be right for him. And, and we've talked in the past about Eddie Howe having to relocate his whole family for the South of England. There's all these factors that become very, very complicated. But the board have been doing this last October, November and got this sorted out way before now. And mm-hmm. I do share your concern that maybe uh, other factors are going to come into play and we're going to lose out on the guy we want. Yeah. Uh, Tony, I can't even think of somebody who comes into the frame that I would think if Eddie Howe doesn't go through of the other names that have been mentioned, one that I would particularly want, maybe Lucien Favre, but that's about it. Well, Favre's the kind of wild card pop kind of entry, isn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people seem to like the part of his job if it's not him, but you're always running the risk now of if it's not Eddie Howe, then the, the next manager or the person that does come in knows that they're not the first choice. Mm-hmm. There's been such a song and dance made about Eddie Howe, allegedly, you know, unless Celtic are being cute as anything and I've spoke to or I've far down the line with one or two candidates, say two, you know, and they're just kind of weighing up their own options. Mm-hmm. But that would smack of a plat- forward planning and, you know, a real kind of mm-hmm. forward thinking, which <laughs> Jim's like, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm like you as well. I'm sceptical that that's happened, you know. So Favre's uh, probably the only one that you would maybe say and. Um, you just know that Keane is going to polarise everybody again. Yeah, yeah. But you know that Dermot Desmond has always been keen on Keane, so it's still lurking there somewhere in the shadows, isn't it? I think so, I think so. I think that's where we're going to have to end it for today. Speculation remains the name of the game, and until we have something more concrete to go on, that's what we'll have to go with. So I say thanks again to everybody for watching on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Thanks to um, to Jim and to Tony for, for joining me today. Um, we'll see you next week when who knows what will have happened, but thanks again, and uh, see you over the weekend for the coverage of the women's game as well. Thanks very much, guys. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? 
Just stop. This is a 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.